0: Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Kohler. They design innovative sinks and faucets for people who do their best work in the kitchen. Every culture has its delicious, homey bowl of mush. Grits, porridge, lugao, you name it. I'm Chinese and grew up eating congee, rice porridge with pork and thousand-year-old eggs. It's really great on a cold day. These dishes can be ugly, but tasty, and are often historic recipes that are passed down from one generation to another. Keepers of these recipes are going to defend them to the death. It's mush, but you know what? It's our mush. Today, we have a story from reporter Alison Salerno about Chicken Mull. It's a communal stew popular in pockets of the American South.
1: I'd never heard of Chicken mall until I moved to the South and saw it on a restaurant menu in Athens, Georgia, where I'm based. Here's how one of my sources describes it.
2: I hope you added this, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's better than what it looked like.
1: Chicken Mull is basically a grayish-white mush of chicken and crushed saltine crackers seasoned with salt, pepper, and red pepper flakes. Think of something between a cream of chicken and a matzo ball soup. It's often served piping hot. Sometimes it's as thick as porridge, and other times as thin as creamy soup with the slightest of texture. It all depends on how you make it. Nobody thinks chicken mole looks appetizing, but it's a go-to comfort food for farmers and hunters and anyone else doing hard physical work, or hey, anyone wanting a tasty bowl of it. So, it's a grayish-white, comforting mush that people have been eating in the South for generations, Great. Why, you may be asking yourself, are we talking about it? Well, I heard about a small town in North Carolina called Beargrass, population of 66, that held an annual Chicken Mall Festival. I was curious. And as I looked into the event, I learned that Chicken Mall, this humble looking stew, almost tore this small, close knit community apart.
0: From America's Test Kitchen, A chicken mole cook-off controversy. I'm Kevin Pang, and this is Proof. Stick around. The world of food is vast. That's exactly why Auguste Escoffier's School of Culinary Arts blends classic culinary methods with a sound business foundation. Escoffier helps prepare students for whatever path they choose. Whether it's at their campuses in Boulder, Colorado, Austin, Texas, or getting instructions online from the convenience of your own kitchen, there's a place for you to create a career that truly caters to who you are. For more information, visit Escoffier.edu. That's E S C O F F I E R.edu.
1: For a place that's miles from everywhere, Beargrass, North Carolina was popping on the day I visited. Once upon a time, tobacco was king here, and the town also staked its claim as the moonshine capital of the world. As townspeople tell it, bootleggers shipped corn whiskey in barrels festooned with a blade of beargrass, a kind of yucca plant that grows here. Usually the town is quiet, is isolated and remote, Folks who grew up five miles away from the circular perimeter of the town are considered outsiders. And folks who grew up here sometimes mistrust outsiders, resulting in a palpable tension between those who belong to this place and those who don't. Beargrass is also a place where filial piety is a given, where younger generations respect and obey their elders as keepers of cherished traditions and stories. I've seen this play out in other parts of the world, like my paternal grandparents' remote tobacco farming villages in southern Italy. If you don't eat everything your grandmother serves at a family dinner, it's considered incredibly rude. It's the clean-your-plate club on steroids. Just like folks in my grandparents' villages, Beargrass residents, many of whom are related to one another, rely on one another for support. For generations, beargrass residents struggled to eke out a living as farmers and sharecroppers. So it makes sense that chicken mull would be a dish, inexpensive, hearty, and made by the gallon, that would knit folks together during good times and hard times. On this day, it's October 2021, I park on Cherry Street and head over to Beargrass Road, the town's main thoroughfare, And there are thousands of people here at the 8th annual Beargrass Chicken Mull Festival. We're talking collared sandwiches and Mountain Dew, line dancing to local bands. There's booths for everybody, from the Martin County Quilters and the County Firearms Academy. Mull is selling, well, selling like hotcakes, for $5 a quart, made by the Beargrass Fire Department. The Rose of Sharon Original Free Will Baptist Church is also selling a batch. I'm told the proceeds from the mall sales go to the Beargrass Charter School and to the Beargrass Fire Department. At the festival, I come across the mayor, who is the mastermind behind this festival, and
3: a kind of community memory keeper. My name is Charlotte Griffin. My family has lived here over 200 years. Mayor Charlotte, as she's called
1: by the town, is 76 years old. Her white hair is tightly permed, and she's wearing a black, long-sleeved Chicken Mall Festival t-shirt and a warm smile. There's something Margaret Thatcher Iron Lady-ish about her, with an Eastern North Carolina drawl.
3: Her roots here run deep. My father was the mayor before I was the mayor, and I've been the mayor for almost 19 years. And we have a long history here in this community. On both sides of my family, my father's side and my mother's side. We're sitting in
1: a building called the Yucca House, Yucca being another name for beargrass. It's a building constructed during the Great Depression where teachers recruited from other parts of North Carolina could live when they took assignments in beargrass. It, to me, has a kind of church community hall energy, clean and neat with upholstered furniture and a large kitchen to make community meals. A statue of George Washington stands right next to the Yucca House as you walk in. When I ask Mayor Charlotte about her childhood, her memory goes straight back to summers spent working in tobacco fields. She says chicken mull began in beargrass and was a dish for the community, a way to nourish farmhands and to knit together generations in a common bond.
3: And I'm 76 now. When I was small, very small, they were still curing tobacco and this is flu-cured tobacco, with wood. And the wood fires had to be tended all night because certain temperatures had to be maintained in order to cure the tobacco properly. So the person, there was always someone selected, and it rotated because everybody couldn't stay up every night, to tend the fires at the barns. And it was a sort of just accepted that you had a little iron pot that you took down to the tobacco barn, and it had a fire under it, and it was filled with water, and they threw a chicken in the pot and started cooking.
1: According to historians, chicken mall first took root in the South, in agrarian pockets outside towns, among farm laborers and mill workers. In Virginia Tech's online archives of Civil War Diaries, I found a reference to what sounds a whole lot like chicken mall. In the Diary of M.M. Cottingham, a member of the Mississippi Infantry, Cottingham describes eating a dish days before he was fatally wounded in the Battle of Antietam. In 1862, he writes he is as happy as Achilles and goes on to describe a supper of, quote, buttercrackers and bacon grease and being we live off the fat of the land, chicken plenty, end quote. What Cottingham describes sounds like a chicken mull prototype, the kind of ration a commissary might throw together to give soldiers sustenance on the cheap that the soldiers could cook for themselves. Food scholar Jordan Shoemaker says chicken mull likely evolved from turtle
4: mull, a dish that was popular in colonial Virginia. I'm assuming cultural norms changed and people didn't want to eat turtles anymore. Because that's an extremely kind of impoverished food when you have them on the on the list of what you're eating when you're poor, turtle's gonna be really low, and that's gonna be when you're really down and out. So having chicken, still a economical meat, easy to replace with turtle, and it's just a similar interchangeable dish. It's
1: also a dish that historically has been prepared by men. Shoemaker says the way women and men were perceived as having separate roles when it comes to cooking probably played into
4: the gender politics of mall-making. If you think about the things that are cooked socially or outdoors, it's mainly men. It's barbecue. It's grilling. That's two male-dominated fields because they can handle outside. They can handle fire. And it's also social at that point. So men can handle, theoretically, economies of scale with food. They can make those big dishes that need to be done, you know, in the hundreds, whereas women are seen as more of the perfectors of small scale. So... That's kind of where it looks at and why it's more men, in my opinion. But um, it's certainly not limited to their talents. And Shoemaker said the days and nights of prepping are part of what makes the dish a social experience, back then and now. Barbecue takes more time. That's something that takes an extreme amount of time. Whereas this is a dish that cooks relatively quickly, but it's more communal at this point. It's more enjoyable.
1: Mayor Charlotte says the idea for a festival in Beargrass started this way. In July 2014, a young man from the town named Kevin Harris and his friend Jordan Edwards came up to her at a fundraiser for the local public school with an observation. Every other North Carolina town seemed to have its own festival. A few miles away in Williamston, the county seat, the North Carolina Country Stampede Festival draws thousands every year. So why couldn't Beargrass have one? Kevin, who eventually became chairman of the festival, and his friend Jordan, initially wanted a moonshine festival to honor Beargrass's history as the moonshine capital of the world. Mayor Charlotte?
3: Not so much. And I said, we can't do that. I said, because the feds aren't going to allow us to do that. I said, that's, that's off the table, so you got to come up with something else, okay?
1: Kevin definitely leans into the defer-to-your-elders town culture. I didn't even realize Kevin was the festival founder and chairman until after I had left Beargrass and started talking on the phone to more people. But I think of Kevin as a go-between with Beargrass's older and younger residents. He's skilled at intergenerational interlocution, if you will. So when it came time to suggest a new idea for the Beargrass Festival, Kevin understood the assignment. He knew he had to find something palatable for Mayor Charlotte. Moonshine wasn't going to work.
3: How about chicken mold? Okay. I said, I think that'll work because that's something people don't know about. And we have a long tradition of it. Everybody has eaten it through the years and it was used for fundraising and everything else. I mean, it's a tradition. So yes, we can do that.
1: Three months later, with Mayor Charlotte's blessing, the Beargrass Chicken Mole Festival
3: happened. And when I first told some people we were going to do it, they said... You cannot do a festival and plan it and put it on from July to October. I said, yeah, we can. I said, you don't quite understand. If our people decide that it's going to happen, it's going to happen.
1: On October twenty-fifth, 2014, the town kicked off its first annual Chicken Mall Festival. The organizers thought it would be fun to start the day with a chicken mull contest, putting various mulls made by different community groups to a taste test by a panel of local judges. You'll notice Mayor Charlotte calls it chicken muddle, which is another name for mull.
3: My judges were primarily people who were older people who had been making muddle for a long time, and they absolutely knew what good muddle was supposed to taste like.
1: One judge later told a local PBS station what he looks for in a winning mall. Gamey can't be sloppy. It's got, have, it's got to have a lot of chicken. It's got to have a seasoning. You don't season it for six people. you got to season it for people who won't eat. That first year, 13 local mall-making groups participated in the chicken mall cook-off contest. Among the contestants were the Goddards, a group of veterans called the Amvets, and a team of brothers in their 20s called the Wins. Lucas Goddard was 22 at the time, and his older brother Eric and their dad made a big batch of mull. They were the first to show up downtown early in the morning.
5: Once we got the chicken boiled, we had to pick the chicken, get all the bones and everything, all the fat and stuff off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And
5: once we got all that done, we put it back in the pot with the broth, and while uh, we put that back in with our seasonings, or well, additional seasonings, uh, we would start crushing the crackers.
1: Lucas is about six feet tall, a happy-go-lucky guy who wears a baseball cap most of the time. He describes himself as competitive, but not super competitive. A go-along, get-along kind of guy with quiet self-confidence. Lucas describes Chicken Mall this way.
5: It looks like a, uh, I don't know, I heard somebody, uh, Use a term one time it's called a bear grass oatmeal.
1: <laughs> Lucas says his family's mall is distinctive because of a secret ingredient.
5: Cream of celery soup, that's how you, you know, get your different flavors. Some people use cream of mushrooms, some people use cream of chicken. That's where you get your differences in your flavors. Depends on how much red pepper and Uh, Black pepper you put in there, too, because, I mean, some people make it pretty hot. and I I like it like that, too, but when we made it for the festival, we didn't make it super hot because, you know, we were trying to make it for an abundance of people, you know.
1: Another group in the cook-off was the Wynn brothers, Eric Wynn and his twin brothers, Trent and Brent. The Wynn's had a lot of confidence. They called themselves the winning team. That's W-Y-N-N-E. They even wore T-shirts that said The Winning Team. When I caught up with him on the phone, Brent Wynn said everybody participating had a secret ingredient. His family's?
5: The first year, our secret ingredient was Chick-fil-A chicken
2: nuggets, and we kind of shredded those up and put them in there.
1: They'd driven 30 minutes south to the closest Chick-fil-A to buy those nuggets.
2: We don't have chicken and mushroom soup. Chicken and whatever else they want to put in it.
1: That's Kenneth Wallace, a member of AMVETS, or American Veterans. He's a member of another competing group and apparently more of a purist when it comes to what goes into Chicken Mall. Kenneth's got a toothy smile and a gray goatee. He's deliberate in his speech. He uses as few words as he can to make his points. I got the sense he's a rule follower and a tradition follower.
2: Black pepper, salt, and red pepper. And that's it.
1: Black pepper, salt, and red pepper. That's it. Kenneth is a Vietnam vet. He became a member of the AMVETS when he ran into their fundraiser in a Piggly Wiggly supermarket lot. Chicken mall became an unlikely recruiting tool.
2: And I had gone into Piggly Wiggly, and a guy called me over, and if uh, if I wanted to buy some. And I looked in the pot, and I'm going to be honest with you. I told myself, man, there ain't no way in the world I can eat that stuff. Why is that? I hope you edited this. Eh, But anyway, it's ugly. What does it look like? It doesn't look great. It's ugly. It's better than what it looked like. And I tasted it, and I said, man, this stuff is good.
1: The first year at the Chicken Mull Festival, Kevin remembers thinking that the AMBET recipe was a real contender. They made authentic mull. No extra ingredients like Chick-fil-A nuggets or cream of celery soup, boiled eggs, or, God forbid, tomatoes or mushrooms. As the group stirred their chicken mole pots and the morning went by, it became time for the judges to adjudicate who'd win the first annual chicken Mole contest. Over the years, contestants have mulled what makes the best recipe.
2: Boiled eggs. Some people like boiled eggs, some don't. I have seen people put celery, but to me, I just like chicken and crackers in the seasoning. Some folks have put canned corn uh, in there and carrots and stuff. I I don't particularly care for that, but, you know, everybody's got their own recipe.
1: That first year of the cook-off, three judges went around to each mull station to sample the mull. Lucas, the go-along, get-along, cream-of-celery guy, explains.
5: I mean, they just told you if it was good or not. They didn't tell you, you know, you're number one or you're number three, you know.
1: The judges then went into the Yucca House to deliberate. When the judges came out, they stepped onto the wooden community stage, about 15 yards from the Yucca House, and announced the winner. The winner?
0: When we return, the winner... And why did they win? You deserve a kitchen that works for you. Kohler sinks come in varying depths and basins so that you get your perfect fit. Their workstation sinks provide accessories to support all of your washing, rinsing and storage needs. All of Kohler's sinks and faucets are designed to make your kitchen look its best while still getting your cooking goals accomplished. And what a relief that is, especially during the holidays. Visit Kohler.com to learn more. Hey, proof listeners, Kevin Pang here. I'm on the record as a mango lover. There's nothing better than a juicy, ripe, perfectly naturally sweet mango. But it has me wondering if you're at the store, how can you tell a mango is juicy, ripe, and ready to eat? Well, lucky for me, my colleague Sasha Coleman, a test cook at America's Test Kitchen, knows just the technique when it comes to spotting a ripe mango. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Kevin. So I've seen a lot of mango varieties at the store, and they come in many different colors. So I feel like judging the ripeness by how red or yellow the mangoes are, and that doesn't really work. So tell me, how do you know when mangoes are ripe?
4: There are a lot of different mango varieties available year-round. There's Tommy Atkins, there's Honey, there's Kent, you name it. So don't judge a mango by its color. What I like to do is pick one up and squeeze it gently. If there's a little gift to the mango, it's likely ripe.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So pick it up, use your hands, give it a gentle squeeze. It shouldn't be too firm or too mushy. If there's just a little bit of a give, that's how I can tell it's ripe. Exactly. Well, how about that? Go to mango.org slash proof for tantalizing mango recipes and to learn more about mangoes. And now, back to our story.
1: The winner of the first annual Chicken mole Contest was Kenneth Wallace's AmVets Group. Brent Wynn, of the Chick-fil-A Nuggets fame, says his team should have won but that the judges wanted to show respect to the older generation.
5: Yeah, yeah, we finished second, yeah. Uh, we, I, in my opinion, we got robbed, but, um, you know, I
1: don't... <laughs> Why'd you get robbed? Why do you think you got robbed?
5: Well, I mean, uh, we thought it was a conspiracy. They're the old dogs and everybody was, like, um, you know, rooting for them. And it wasn't a blind taste test at the time, so they were doing... Uh, the judges were... They knew who they were tasting, and we, you know, we thought
1: that was a little suspect, so... You know, the story in our family is, you know, we, 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 we may have finished second, but we, we thought we had the best recipe that year. Kenneth wasn't surprised the AmVets recipe won because he tried the other contestants' mull.
2: I don't know about other places, right. but I know about right here in, in Martin County. And I have eaten someone a time or two, and it wasn't as good as ours. Was.
1: It wasn't as good as ours, Kenneth said. He explained to me that one key is letting the salt and pepper and red pepper flakes soak into the mall for a day or so. Also, the AMVETs use nearly an entire chicken in their mall.
2: The bigger the chicken, the better. The more fat they got on it is the better. But, you know, we trim all that. We trim all the excess fat off of it.
1: The recipe was so good that Garden & Gun magazine featured it in its February 2015 issue. And Kenneth says there's one last ingredient. tender to love and care. <laughs> Meanwhile, Mayor Charlotte says this public critique of various mulls, with community judges telling mole makers to their faces whether their mull was good or not, got real awkward real quick. Remember, Beargrass is a tiny place.
3: People are really proud of their mull. I mean, people that make it a lot, they like to say, well, I got the best, you know just can't even compete with mine. And
1: another problem? Once the first, second, and third place winners were announced, hundreds of visitors wanted to buy courts of the top winning mulls.
3: The first year, that everybody said, well, I want some of so-and-so's muddle. And then when you, you were over there trying to fight fire to get whoever's muddle it was. I mean, it was just chaos.
1: Lucas, of Cream of Celery fame,
3: didn't place that year but he
1: told me he didn't put a lot of emotion into the contest results.
5: We were just happy to be having a festival, you know, a little old Beargrass.
1: But the first year results of the Beargrass Chicken Mall Festival contest definitely ruffled some feathers. Grover Barber is 87, a Korean War vet and an AMVET teammate of Kenneth's. He said when his group won, another man, a man from Beargrass known in the area for his excellent chicken mall, was so angry he stopped talking to Grover.
2: Chicken mole maker out right there in Beargrass, he was a king out there. And uh, and we beat him so bad in the contest, that he wouldn't
3: even talk to me.
1: <laughs> Kenneth, the Amvets member, was happy that his group had won, but he wasn't surprised. He says he's sampled other chicken malls in Beargrass and believes the Amvets mole is far superior. The Amvets put the trophy in their clubhouse. Having learned their lessons from the first year, the second annual chicken mall-making competition looked a little different. This time, the judges sampled the entries with a blind taste test inside the Yucca House. The Wynn brothers were feeling confident, so confident they once again wore their T-shirts declaring themselves the winning team. They figured they had an excellent shot at first place, especially when the judges didn't know this time whose mall was whose. And once again, the winds put in their secret ingredient, those shredded Chick-fil-A nuggets. Their confidence was high. The judges emerged from the Yucca House and announced the winner of the second annual Beargrass Chicken Mall Festival contest. Once again, the AMVETS recipe won. Lucas, who hadn't cared much about who won the first year, remembers feeling puzzled at the second-year results. Was the AMVET's chicken mole recipe really so much better than everyone else's? He'd tried lots of local mole and didn't think so.
5: We were like, yeah, wow, yeah, the AMVETs won again. They're a bunch of really great guys, and they do have really great mole. We were like, wow,
1: they won again. And the winning team?
5: We finished dead last.
1: Get out. We the,
5: yeah, we used the exact same recipe.
1: In 2016, year three of the Beargrass Chicken Mall Festival, the mullmakers who hadn't won the contest still had a bit of hope. The Wynn brothers opted out of the third year of the contest, not because they were upset, but because they went on vacation. The judges once again wouldn't know whose mull they were sampling. And the mullmakers who hadn't won the contest figured they still had a shot. What were the odds, after all, of the AMVETs dominating three years in a row? Well, they did. Lucas remembers the other mole makers were angry and resentful. Some of Beargrass Chicken mole makers were even saying the contest was rigged. Lucas, whose family's mull never won an award, told me he didn't buy into that conspiracy theory. But he did acknowledge being flabbergasted by how the AMVETs kept winning.
5: I was just kind of shocked. That, I was like, okay, well, maybe we've got a chance this year, you know. It's just kind of concerning when you thought, well, we don't have a chance. The AMVETs are going to win every year.
1: Kenneth of the Amves said he could tell other mullmakers were jealous and resentful. He'd even begun hearing they might get rid of the contest the following year.
2: You know, they kept giving us the runaround about whether they're going to have it or not and everything.
1: It became clear to Mayor Charlotte after the third year of the festival that the mullmaking contest needed to be canceled the mull makers were changing up traditional recipes in an effort to win the contest. And the contest was causing hurt feelings over a dish designed to bring the community together.
3: While everybody likes a good competition, you know, and bragging rights, that in and of itself created a little bit of friction, which we, that was not the intent. I mean, you you do not want somebody uh, to uh, feel like that maybe because, um, uh, their take on it was not exactly what someone else's was, that theirs wasn't as good or or didn't meet the expectations.
1: The contest went against everything chicken mole is supposed to be about. Contest organizers had unwittingly pitted mole makers against each other. The year 2016 was the last time the Beargrass Chicken Mole Festival held a contest. Now only a handful of mall makers make and sell mole. Mall. mall. makers spend days preparing hundreds of gallons of chicken mall, and they raise money for the Beargrass Charter School and the Beargrass Fire Department. There's no competition, it's all for charity. Mayor Charlotte said eliminating the contest was the right decision.
3: Well, number one, it eliminated your problems as far as how you were gonna handle the different takes on how to prepare the mall you knew it was going to be prepared in the traditional manner to give the people attending the festival the the most authentic taste of what mall was and how it was prepared.
1: As Mayor Charlotte reflects back, she says the town is too small to set neighbor against neighbor. And a zero-sum competition is not the way Beargrass has survived generation after generation.
3: It was just something that that at the time it seemed like, okay, people have chili contests, people have barbecue cooking contests, they have all kinds of contests. But in the end, it was not well acclimated for the intent of what we wanted. It didn't play out in the same way. Because in fact, most of these other contests attract people from long distances away and it's, it's a whole different dynamic. In the
1: years since the contest has been gone, the Beargrass Chicken Mull Festival has returned to its roots, a gathering to raise funds for the community, using its distinctive dish to celebrate its past and to attract curious outsiders. Last year, the festival attracted thousands of visitors and sold hundreds of gallons of mull. The folks I talked to at the festival were so happy to be there, catching up with friends they might not have seen in a while, sharing laughs, maybe some gossip. Tapping their feet to the music from local bands and loading up on Chicken mall. As for the Amvets, they no longer cook their award-winning mall for the festival. But you can sample their mall two Fridays a month at the place where it all started for Kenneth Wallace in the Piggly Wiggly parking lot in Williamston. They sell the Chicken mall for $5 a quart. You can't miss them. They operate out of a bright blue food truck at the edge of the parking lot, the side by the peanut processing plant.
2: I I know what you need before you need it. Oh, I know that. Here's Kenneth. We do the chicken mall for a fundraiser. The ambass, we don't get no support from the county or government. You know, we have bills, so we have to raise money to pay our bills. So that's why we still make chicken malls. Now, we were doing it before Grass was doing the chicken Mall contest.
1: Without the drama of a chicken Mall contest, without the hurt feelings and jealousies of people for whom the dish is a key part of their cultural identity, organizers have managed to restore the festival's original intent, to connect townspeople, and to show outsiders a strong and cohesive community. But in the end... We humans are human. The fussing and arguing over chicken mole recipes is familiar to anyone who's ever gone to a family holiday meal. Did Uncle Emilio use the right kind of beans? Why did Grandma switch up her twice-baked potato recipe? And who ever heard of chocolate marshmallows on top of the sweet potato casserole? As for Lucas, he's joined the Beargrass Fire Department, He likes the direction the Beargrass Chicken Mall Festival has taken.
5: I just love the fact that all the people come to the community, you know, it's just, that's what it's about for me. I've been able to see it from all sides. I originally started competing in the festival, and then they did away with the competition. So I started cooking with the fire department, which, you know, that was fun. I did that for a few years. And then they asked me to join the committee right before I got on the town board. So. Now, I've pretty much seen it from all sides, you know.
1: Here in Beargrass, the mull makers are doing their own thing in their own corners. They're agreeing to stay out of each other's way. As they have for more than a century in this pocket of eastern North Carolina, men continue to make chicken mull and raise money for the needs of their community. It was messy getting here. But I can't imagine, with a dish so revered, in a community so protective of its traditions, that this story could have played out any other way.
0: Thanks to Alison Salerno for bringing us today's story. If you like Proof, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you'll get new episodes as soon as they drop. And while you're there, why not leave us a rating or write us a review? It really helps other people find the show. This episode of Proof is hosted by me, Kevin Pang, and a podcast is made by the following cast of characters.
4: I'm Yumi Araki, the managing producer. I'm executive producer Caitlin Kelleher. I'm supervising producer Caroline Rickert.
0: I'm
1: Terrence Johnson, and I'm the associate producer.
4: I'm Alex Curran-Cartarelli,
1: and I'm also an associate producer.
0: I'm Bridget Lancaster,
1: creator and the founding host and producer.
0: Scoring, sound design, and mixing by... Matt Boynton. Chester Gwasta. And... Anya Gjeshik Of Ultraviolet Audio. Brian Campbell of Signal Sound's composer theme music. Additional music by Kyle Forster and Jordan Pearson. Ken Margolis. Is our Director of Post-Production, and our Director of Production is... Diane Knox. Fact-checking and additional research by...
3: Angela Yang.
0: Special thanks to Jeff Wurtz of New Jersey-based Multimedia Video. Jack Bishop. Is the Chief Creative Officer of America's Test Kitchen, and... David Nussbaum. Is America's Test Kitchen's CEO. Thanks to our sponsors, Kohler, the National Mango Board, Augusta Scaffier School of Culinary Arts and fresh-pressed olive oil. Proof is a production of America's Test Kitchen.